Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Ryan Seifert of Tarek Technology right here in Houston. Tarek Technology is an IT consulting firm, but they have a very different approach than any other IT firm I can ever remember having heard of. They start with a strategic focus on what the pain points are of the CEO personally and the business in general, even if the pain points do not seem IT-related. Oftentimes, the underlying issue is a business process breakdown or inefficiency that Ryan and his team can improve by the strategic implementation of technology. Ryan is also intrigued by the ways that a podcast could enhance the credibility of the firm and help to accelerate how quickly trust can be built with new potential clients. Ryan also wants to use a podcast to increase awareness of his firm and also use it as an educational foundation by sharing client success stories. Ryan is a dynamic technology expert who is also a savvy entrepreneur. If you've ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great ideas on ways a podcast might be beneficial. All right, let's get to the show. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about oh, it. Oh, hey, my pleasure. I was, I'm excited to do the interview today. So let's jump right in. So I understand that you're the CEO of Tarek Technology here in Houston and that you joined about a year ago. Now, was this an existing company that you joined or were you a founder? Oh, absolutely a founder. No time like the pandemic to start a new company, right? <laughs> for sure. I bet it was actually a pretty good time to start it for the IT space. It really was. I and mean, one, one of the areas that really prompted me to hop in and do this was a natural outreach. So as people started to head into remote, as people started to look at how do we use technology in our company, I had a bunch of people who were, you would, would have normally taken me to lunch, but it said, it's, let me get you to Grubhub or let's do a DoorDash or a cup of coffee, do a virtual meeting because I need to pick your brain. And I realized there is a market segment out there that has just not really been served. They're in the technical expertise for a startup, small and mid-sized companies. And I wanted to help them out. And so me and my partner got started into it, found it, and it's been a great ride. It's been very fun. That is great. I think you had mentioned that I'm not in Houston today, but you mentioned you're having thunderstorms today. Was that some thunder I just heard a few seconds ago? I think so. It's okay. It is dark and stormy. Okay. Well, so it'll be just add some more ambiance to the episode. So the listeners just realize that's uh, thunder you're hearing in the background. So, what's what are the characteristics of an ideal client for you? Who are the companies that you're best set up to serve? I'm guessing it's not like a, a Fortune 500 company. Is that right? So while we could, we are really focused on startups and small and mid-sized companies. The goal there is to help introduce technology that may be outside of the normal realm that they're familiar with. To give a quick example, we stepped in with a, a smaller financial services firm and helped them pull in their timesheets, their invoicing, their work tracking system, so we could identify their ideal customer their profitability on a very detailed level per customer to, to really help them steer their marketing and overall growth. And that, that took about $8,000. It was a pretty small engagement. But really what, what opened up for them for that $8,000 was about 150 year-over-year savings. So the ROI, oh, wow. yeah, the low-hanging fruit for introducing technology to these smaller companies is it's fantastic. But what drives me, I mean, the financial aspects are great. But it was $150,000 in savings around non-profitable customers. So what happened, they, they had to talk to the customers, raise their prices, shift it around to where they could become profitable, and to give, give them the ability to hire additional staff or just reduce their existing staff's time. So the impact on the individual was, hey, now you have weekends, now you have nights. 
So, so they're juggling less, they're happier, and the company's more profitable. And that was, I mean, an immediate, quick, few-week turnaround. And so it's just applying technology in ways that the that without that technical strategy in your company, you may have a lot of those low-hanging fruits. I see. So yeah, that's a great that's a great success story. Could you give us uh, another example or two of some companies you've helped? Absolutely. So chewing through, let's go to a midsize. There's companies where you're trying to understand not only from the data aspect, but internal custom software development and business process automation, where and how should I position my company to leverage those technologies? We have a client who's been working on a new piece of custom software for about two and a half years and really struggling. They've been struggling to get it out the door. They've been struggling to get proper buy-in from the rest of their internal user base. So we stepped in there to help on the design, the architecture, the process, and the change management. We've been working with them for about six months. So, so far we've saved them about half a million dollars in in software cost. We have moved that timeline from being something that is just unachievable into user groups and feedback going on now. We have actual users in the system who are saying this works, this doesn't. And we've changed how we deliver the software. So, So it's small incremental updates. And it's much more transparent. So instead of the leadership team feeling frustrated, when is this happening? What happened? It's here's what we're seeing. Here's what you can expect. And being able to communicate that with a high level of confidence. So again, the ROI was absolutely there. But the fun aspects have been the transparency, the, the team feeling more, more informed, more collaborative, and enjoying their workday better. So as, okay. as things work smoother, it's, it is the financial reasons are absolutely there. But the team engagement and impact is a wonderful one for me. So based on those two examples, it sounds like you really receive a lot of satisfaction from helping these companies, like just at a personal satisfaction, don't you? Absolutely. So David, one of the reasons I got into computers, I like to build systems. And so I hit a button and it does a bunch of stuff without me. I've taken the same approach into, into helping put software teams in place and helping IT teams and helping understand how technology can apply to a company because it ultimately ends up being how does it scale well and how do you build the teams to be fulfilling to everyone involved? And that's how you know a system's running very smoothly. And so coming in and saying, here's your software process, here are the bumps, here's where you're missing testing, here's where you're, you're missing, say, product management as a discipline, as those get in, those get in place, Everything runs smoother. People are happier. And it doesn't necessarily need a whole lot of your time. And that's really, from the Tarek approach, how we help. We help stabilize, put the system in place, and we will help you as needed. But part of the goal is you shouldn't need us full time. And that, that goes back into us being able to support multiple companies. Sure, sure. So let's say I'm talking to a company, you know, owner of a small to mid-sized company, what are the clues that I should introduce you to them? Like, what are some of the comments that should that I should perk up and think, boy, I need to call Ryan? Mm-hmm. So some of those flags, when I think about that, and, and I have a fun story around this one. Yeah, go ahead. I was talking to someone, was, how do you identify your ideal customer? And it's always the areas you wouldn't necessarily expect. It's not, it's for us, it's not the ones like, I need technology to do this and do that. The story I like to use comes from a copier, a copy salesman. It says, how do I know if someone is a good client for a copier salesman? Do they need more copies? How do I watch for it? And, and he, he said, look at their trash cans. If their trash cans have a bunch of copies in there, they're throwing away because they're bad. They're going to need a new copier, and that's the best spot. And so it's something not necessarily on the copier. It's not how old they are. It's not how many people are waiting in line for it, but it was the quality. And we take a similar approach. For us, the ideal customer flags end up being if they're having a hard time holding on to younger workforce, it could be that the younger workforce is expecting technical innovation that isn't there at the company. And they're they're seeing better ways to do it and they get pulled elsewhere. If they're having a hard time scaling, adding, adding people, 
maybe the processes aren't involved. Maybe the software isn't there to support them in the way it should be. And we can help them step into to formalize that process, put in place the technology they need so they can scale better. It could be software development and having a hard time getting those updates out. And so in those situations, it's frustrated end users or a slower turnaround time on features for their software that we can help them identify the process and the technology to do so smoother. And the last one is really an interesting one. If you ever talk to to a CEO and says, well, I think this is happening. I'm pretty confident, but I don't know all the details. Or I need to spend some more time researching this or identifying that before I can really make a good call. That goes back into data transparency. So we can step in and help them remove that opaqueness that I think it's this, but I'm not sure. And add in that data transparency consolidation. So all of a sudden, those hunches, you have the reports to make them actionable. And then that that can drive quite a bit of quick decision-making and more confidence in your decisions for those companies. That's, That's really helpful. Yeah, thank you. That's very helpful. Are there any industries that you guys have, you know, that you're particularly well versed in or are your clients just really across any industry? So we are across any industries right now. We really step in to help figure out how to apply technology to your company. That being said, there's always areas that we were more versed in than others. Okay. Some, some of the areas we, we really do a deeper dive are going to be startups, especially in the software space. We have a lot of knowledge there. There are enterprise-level, enterprise-scalable clients. So if you have internal teams that have manual processes or paper-based processes now, we can help walk through how to digitize those and how to then add process automation. We have strong expertise in oil and gas, strong expertise in, in medical, in finance, in logistics, interesting enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for the the overview on your business, sharing your passion for improving the lives of these owners and their employees and some success stories, as well as kind of some red flags to look out for. So thank you. I now feel like I understand your business quite a bit better. So what I'd like to do now, so the name of this podcast is Podcasting Stories. So we probably should talk some about podcasting, if that sounds good. So my understanding is that you're intrigued by having a podcast, but you're not necessarily sold that it's the right fit for your company at this point in its evolution. Does that about summarize it? Absolutely. So for us, one of the, some of the areas I'm hope I'm curious if we can help is building credibility with our client base and building the trust there that we're experts and that we can step in and help them and educating on here's recent technology, recent improvements that may help your company. So I'm curious how it helps there. Okay. On the, the building credibility and I was kind of feverishly <clears throat> feverishly writing. You'd said building credibility, and then what else? And building trust. So for, so to kind of circle back around to that initial example, we had to have credibility that we could consolidate the data, and we had to have the trust that, that we're not going to do malicious things with their data. Because to step into a company and say, we need your timesheets and your invoices and all of your employee PIIs, so we can build a better report and build the, build the client profitability, that takes a high amount of trust because we're in very sense information almost from the get-go there. Yeah, and that's the kind of case that you can't really do it like halfway, can you? You can't really come in and they can't give you just a little bit of information and give you time to kind of earn the trust. You really need to come in you know, like a specialized physician who you, know, you can just jump right in and get access to everything, right? You got it. Exactly. And that takes some, it, it takes a lot of trust from the client company. Sure. Sure. Okay. So we can talk about that. What else about having a podcast other than helping enhance your credibility and accelerating trust building? What else about having a podcast seems um, attractive to you? So 
Well, some of the big ones for us, it's, it is awareness of Tarek in general, that we A, exist and how we help, and then B, education client base. There's always new pieces of technology coming out. And so you hop into it or you look it up and you read about it and it's telling you, talking to you how to do it. Here's how you build it. Here's all the configuration you may need to set up a cloud server or to understand how to do a pipeline deployment. But really the core of it is showing people how that's going to help improve their lives. It's, it is taking that technology and applying it to them. And I think that's where the podcast can really come in to help because it's, it's a way to walk through a, the technology, and B, how it improves that company and their employees and their clients. Okay. Yep. That makes perfect sense. So I've got some ideas already then, but let me just ask you a couple more questions just to make sure I, I'm clear on the situation. So first off, I believe that you're a pretty avid podcast listener. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. I was, I was driving about an hour and 15 to work every, each way. I got into a lot of podcasts from that point forward, and they're, they're very entertaining. Sure. Yeah, we just find that for folks who are not avid podcast listeners, the idea of hosting a podcast just doesn't resonate in the same way. So I wanted to just double check that. And then, and so the next question is going to be around the kind of number of client success stories you have. Now, I realize your company is relatively new, so I'm not expecting that you're going to have, you know, 10,000 client success stories. But my sense would be that interviewing clients in kind of letting them sort of, you know, kind of tell the story of, you know, how you're able to help them could be really powerful. Like how many clients are we talking about that you could potentially have as guests? Is it, you know, a dozen, a few dozen? So I'm curious about that piece. So we're sitting on around a dozen or so clients right now. But when I think about where we're impacting, we break that up into different initiatives. So for one one section, it may be building out data consolidation. For another, it might be automating different pieces of the process. And so I think there's positions where as we hit different technology, we can talk to a client, have, have some interesting stories and deep dives on how we went about applying it and what it's done for them and their, and their company. Okay. So if we think about it more from projects, then we're, you know, we're several dozen, you know, 50 maybe or, or more. Is that exactly. about right? Mm-hmm. And would you say that, or is your client typically like the CIO, VP of, of kind of technology, or is it tend to be more like the CEO if it's like a smaller company? Like, who do you think of as like your real client? I think that or does goes it back. just depend? It, it, it depends, but generally it's going to end up being the CEO. So okay. where we find the lowest hanging fruit is where there hadn't been a whole lot of technology applied to it. So if you go into some to a company and they've never had a technologist or a technical strategist involved, you can identify some very quick low hanging fruit so they can get significant ROI right out of the gate. And that's always wonderful. The other okay. spot the other spot we, we end up supporting is for a CIO or CTO that is there as another way to help run an initiative that would otherwise take their time. So you can get a little more parallel initiatives moving forward. So it it saves them quite a bit of time and quite a bit of just holding that momentum, if that makes sense. Okay. If you had to pick which market, like if you had to exclusively focus on one market or the other, which one would you focus on? The CEOs of those kind of smaller companies or helping the CIOs keep projects going or oh, accelerate projects? I'd absolutely focus on the CEOs. Okay. That's helpful. So I think, so just as kind of a preliminary working top or working title, I might enter your clients mostly in the Houston area. So, the majority of them are. We, we have some clients out in California, another one over on the East Coast. So we're spread out, but the majority are here in Houston. Okay. So I'm a big fan of niche marketing, and I'm a big fan of a niche podcast. And so I would go with a working title, something like like a CEO's perspective of technology changing your life. I get it's kind of a long title 
or how Houston, how CEOs of Houston companies have been able to transform their business through, you know, strategic use of technology. Now, obviously we'd have to, you know, we'd want to shorten it, but it'd be something kind of along those lines to start with. How does that strike you? Does it feel like we're on the right track or does it feel too focused? And I'm curious on, on some of the naming, the strategy behind it. So is that to help the, the, the searchability for it? Is that to help the, the potential listeners find the right one for them? Kind of- no, in our opinion, that your podcast listeners are going to mostly be people who you know already. Okay. And so it's not so much about using the title to try to find new people as much as it is trying to convey to the contacts you already know as far as what you're trying to accomplish with the podcast, as opposed to calling it something like Ryan Seifert's podcast, where like that may not like resonate in a particularly compelling fashion if that makes sense. So that's why I would want something that's, because to me, the message that you're really, that I hear you're sharing is that it's about more than technology. It's helping basically improve the efficiency, profitability of the business and the quality of life of the owner, you know, through strategic use of technology. And so like, to me, it's far better off to have, a hundred like Houston CEOs who listen to your podcast and imagine nobody else on the face of the earth listen to your podcast. That was it. It was just a hundred CEOs in Houston. It'd be far better to have that than to have something much broader like IT trends and business where your listeners could just kind of come from all over. I think that makes perfect sense. So, so really what you're, what we're doing, it, it's pulling in the people we know to listen to the podcast and we're naming it in a way where it's easy to find for them. Yeah. And where it also, where it kind of resonates with, you know, with them where they think, Hey, this is something that, that, you know, can relate to me. And then what I would do is, so if we look on that CEO space, so how many like successful you know, implementations have you had like where the CEO was the client, like less than a dozen, more than a dozen. And again, I'm respectful or or cognizant of the fact that your business is pretty new. And if you have projects that take multiple months, you're not going to just have hundreds of them. Right. So when I I think about the successful initiatives where the CEO was the client, I can only think of say two clients where it wasn't the CEO. To be through Hofer Frank, or, or where we spend our time coordinating doesn't touch that level, but they are absolutely involved in, in part of the decision making. So it's rare we have a client that there is no involvement with okay. the CEO. What we'll normally see is coordination with the team and some of their executive leadership, but we normally walk into the leadership meetings and give reports on how we're doing and updates. So, okay. so generally, almost, almost all have the CEO involved, at least at some level. Okay. So how many successful engagements, you know, even if you're not done with the engagement that you've had some successful milestones, are we talking about, is it less than a dozen, more than a dozen? More, more than a dozen. We're probably looking at two to two and a half dozen. Okay. That's perfect. So what I would be thinking would be a monthly podcast. And again, I haven't fully kind of you know, there's a bunch more questions I might ask you if we were having a longer conversation. Mm-hmm. But in the interest of time of the podcast, we've given just kind of a preliminary suggestion. You know, it would be a like a monthly podcast where you basically are interviewing those CEOs and going through kind of some success stories. And the way I would do it is I would have the first half of the interview be all about the company, the history of the company, the success of the company, really give them a platform and maybe even two thirds of the conversation, give them a platform to really brag about their company in a way that maybe they don't get to do every day. And then I would have the last third being kind of digging in 
you know, almost like you would with like you know a post project debrief. You know, how'd we do? What do you like? You know, what worked well? What do you wish we'd done differently? Can you give me a sense of the ROI? Like maybe not specific numbers, but on multiples, and and actually give them and make it as is you know, kind of similar to what our conversation is like today, where it's like a real time, you know, kind of, you know, post-mortem conversation. And if there are some things that didn't go perfectly, like give them the chance to say that. And then once you have those interviews, then here's where I think the magic starts. So first off, your date, your like email list size, again, being only a year old, it's probably not a huge list. Uh, what you know ballpark size or range of like your current email list probably up to a few hundred okay okay that's actually that's a great number to work with and i think based on our prior conversations it sounds like you're in the same boat i was in when i started my podcast that you don't and again correct me if my recollection's wrong but i don't think that you necessarily have like a robust email marketing strategy where you know you send out one or two emails a month like clockwork that your clients enjoy receiving is that accurate that is very accurate we, we know how to automate all that we run into a little bit of a challenge on let's create the, the fun creative marketing for it yeah and so that's one of the beauties of the of having a podcast is that you have it guarantees that an email goes out every month to your database in a non-annoying fashion. And, you know, we actually write the email. Uh, and I heard somebody say once, it's way easier to interview somebody for a podcast than it is to write a blog post. And I would uh, agree. So the first thing it would give you is just a way to touch your database, you know, once a month with no time by you or your team. We would actually handle, you know, even the email sending the second benefit it would give you is that the relationship with your current client, when you have a client on your podcast and you let them tell their story and you really give them a platform to, to really kind of brag, you know, on what a wonderful success story it's been. And then at the end of the podcast, you publicly thank them in front of 8 billion people. It resonates in a way that's really special and unique. It resonates in a way differently than if you're in a boardroom and at the end of the project, you say, hey, we've really enjoyed working with you guys. Your team is great. You know, we'd love to work with you, you know, anytime you need us in the future. You guys have been great to work with. When you say that on a podcast, again, to a potential audience of 8 billion people, it just, it resonates differently. And that podcast interview in many ways will do will have a dramatic increase in the quality of your relationship with that CEO because before your conversations might have been very tactical mm-hmm. and now you kind of increase the depth of that uh, relationship so that'd be the second you know kind of benefit and then the third benefit is if you really give them a chance to tell their story your guest will typically send an email to their database because you know most people have not been on a podcast especially a CEO of a you know company that's not like in the tech space let's say or even if they are they've maybe not been on a podcast and so they're kind of proud that they were on a podcast so then they send it out to to their database so those are kind of the first, and then of course, as it goes out to their database, that gives you additional reach and you know other people who might be interested. And then the fourth benefit is now, like let's say you had uh, that CEO, that first example you gave where they spent you know eight thousand dollars and they saved, I think you said one hundred and fifty thousand dollars year over year. Yep. And so, like, imagine you have this story you tell. And then you're out meeting with a new prospect and they have a situation that's a little bit similar. Now you can say, you know, we've got another client. I had him as a guest on the podcast. I think their story is kind of similar to yours. You know, why don't I send you a link to the episode? So this is where the credibility piece comes in my experience, because now, you know, when people do a reference check, they usually 
are so sen- so sensitive to not wasting the time of the person they're calling that most reference checks are pretty brief mm-hmm. and they're not really, they don't oftentimes get the full data that they're looking for. But I find that when a prospect, if they actually go listen to that whole, you know, 45 minute to an hour podcast and they hear the relationship depth and the client satisfaction, we found that is one of the best things you can do from credibility. So those would be kind of the four benefits, uh, regular email, enhancement of the current client relationship, the email distribution to your guest audience, and then the credibility enhancement with uh, potential other prospects. So how does that resonate with you? Does it seem like I'm on the right track? Does some of it seem appropriate more than others? What are your thoughts? I think think you are dead on target. I have a few areas that as I chew on it. So I'm very data-driven. Okay. So so I'm I'm with you on, we can look at what we've completed. It will help, it will help really hit that education piece very clearly. Here's a story on how we apply technology and what it's done. So you understand the end result and the ROI in a way that can be hard to communicate up front. It also gives us, to your point, the credibility that we've done this in the past, and we can show the trust in the relationship on the podcast, which I think is fantastic. I am curious, and, and you, you hit on it quite a few places, as they share out into their network, how do we track the time for it? So for me, when I'm looking at where do I spend my time, the podcast, it, there's some time involved. Sure. So to make sure that's being well spent, I would want to track, I want to track the ROI for me, right? So where, sure. where are the marketing details around it? How do I make sure I have people listening? How do I know, am I increasing my listener count or decreasing? How do I have the engagement with the audience? So I can understand how that then converts into either where Tara can support or where our clients are happier or where we're helping people understand what is achievable just even in the market with current technology. So I I totally get where you're coming from because I'm a very analytical numbers-driven person. I'm a CPA by training. But I think my answer is going to be a little disappointing to you because it's going to be difficult. I mean, if you if the phone rings and somebody says, hey, I'm a buddy of Bob's and I was listening to the podcast he did with you. My company's got the exact same problem. When can you come talk to us? So, I mean, obviously, if you get a call like that, then it's very easy to measure. The way I think about it, though, is I try to think of some of those things as bonuses. And like, so here's an example. So, these, you know, couple dozen, you know, successful projects you've had with CEOs involved, I would imagine that you would be fine investing a, two hours to have lunch with any of those people, I'm guessing. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And you'd be doing that for relationship development, kind of check in, like see if you have any new projects going on. And that lunch meeting realistically would take a couple hours by the time you have drive time over there, you know, you want to make sure you're not late. You have a relaxing lunch, you know, you drive back to the office. So you figure two hours. So one way I would look at it is that I would argue you'd get more bang for your buck out of a one hour podcast interview than you would a two hour lunch. And, and so the reason this matters is because we try to look at the ways that we know the podcast is beneficial because the, I mean, some of the other tracking and metrics, like I'll give you an example on my original podcast, I've got 10,000 people in our database. The first few episodes, I was really hyper-focused on like downloads and that. And, and the guy helping with the podcast said, Dave, don't look at those numbers. They'll just discourage you. And they really don't matter. And so I haven't checked them in like a year, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that an episode that goes out to 10,000 people in our database, if maybe we only have 50 to 100 downloads, mm-hmm. which if I was trying to have a commercially successful podcast, that would be an abject failure. But, you know, the lifetime value of a client for us is 50 grand plus. 
And, and I think it's similar for you, right? The lifetime value for clients in the tens of thousands of dollars, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. We look for long-term partnerships. We don't want to come in and just do a quick little thing and turn around and leave. Yeah. So it's really a six figure. So it's really a six figure value. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I I don't know that I, I really could provide great data and maybe I'm kind of missing what you're asking. Like, I don't think it's a case that I can say, you know, look, if you do a, you know, a podcast a month for two years, you're just going to have amazing data to look at as a result of that. And all these ways it helped you. It's more around, you know, because a podcast cost, whether you do it internally or outsource it, you know, a good rule of thumb is a thousand dollars a month, an hour of your time. And so it's one of those things that, well, anyway, let me just kind of stop there. Did I, I feel like maybe I didn't really answer your question. I, I think you did. So, so when I think about what I was asking, it was how do I know if the podcast is being effective, right? And how do I understand what the return with the goals and what the side effects of the podcast are? And I think you hit those very clearly. So the, the goal of the podcast isn't let me let me accrue 10 million listeners and do this or do that. It's, it is leveraging the podcast in such a way you're strengthening the relationship with your existing client base, or you're building out trust and credibility with, with potential new clients in a way where, hey, go look at these stories. Here's what we've done in the past. Here's an interview with the client that we did them with. So it almost avoids a reference call that would be otherwise very shallow and walks into the details. Mm-hmm. So it's it ends up being less about how many listeners do I have and more about the quality of the listener and the side effects of the podcast where it's more memorable than taking someone to lunch. It's more memorable than meeting for drinks. It's something special. It's something interesting. And ultimately something that, that helps everyone involved. Yeah, I would agree. What, how do you, cause you've talked about the value of your time. What value do you put on an hour of your time? A dollar value. That's a challenge. Um, I mean, it, it, does it go back into the hourly rate or does it? I mean, more? either, either one, because I mean, you, you have a, you raised a, a really good point about, you know, if you're going to invest an hour in this podcast, what's the real cost of that? I mean, there's the actual cost of it, but then there's the opportunity cost of your time. And I was just trying to get a sense because, you know, the podcast is, you know, a thousand bucks a month, but the value of your time I mean, you know, so some people we talk to, they say, well, you know, I bill out at $125 an hour. So that's the value of my time. I talk to other people that are more focused on the opportunity cost. And they say, you know, you know, I spend 10 hours a week on business development. And over the course of a year, I bring in a million dollars of revenue. You know, then all of a sudden that hourly rate is way higher. Because what I was, so what I was kind of trying to do is just give you some kind of back of the napkin, like some quick calculations. So like, let's just say that lunch cost you for easy math, a hundred dollars, which I get for Houston, you probably wouldn't spend that much. Let's call it $50. And let's say that the podcast saves an hour of your time. So if you say, Hey, my time's worth $250 an hour. And so instead of going to lunch, we did the podcast. I saved an hour. That's $250 plus I saved 50 bucks on lunch. So I'm at $300 now, you know, versus that thousand dollar podcast. And then I might add, like, what's it worth to you a month to ensure that your, your few hundred to maybe a thousand contacts are, are getting a non annoying email? You know, that's, I don't know, that's probably worth a few hundred dollars, maybe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, and then you look at like the long-term value of a client or lifetime value. So if you spend, and we always suggest clients make kind of a two-year commitment. I mean, our our arrangement's just month to month, but it's just as far as kind of emotionally. So if you did this for two years and you picked up one client from it, then, I mean, obviously you're ahead just from that. But even if you can't point to a specific client that you brought in and you're asking yourself in retrospect, hey, was this worth, you know, 25 grand in 24 hours of my time over the last two years? We just try to help give you some 
basic stats that kind of make it easier to say, to say, yeah, that was probably, probably worth it. The other question we sometimes ask is we say, if a client said to you, Hey, Ryan, you guys are awesome. I'm going to write a testimonial to send out to my whole database saying how awesome you guys are. But here's the catch. We don't, we're not very sophisticated technology wise. And we use a third party to send out our emails. And they basically charge us a thousand dollars to send out an email. If you'll pick up the cost for it, I'll happily send out a testimonial to our whole database. What would your gut reaction be to that? I mean, it still seems like it's a, it's an immediate. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll take you up on it. Sure. Dollars is, is pretty much a no brainer. And the reason I ask that is because in a way, when you interview that client and he sends an email out to his database saying that he was on your podcast, that's, you know, in a way, almost like him sending out a testimonial saying how great you guys are. It's maybe not quite as powerful, but for anybody who actually listens to the podcast, it'd, it'd be even more powerful than if he had an actual testimonial. So that's kind of the other way we look at it, that if you're trying to justify the cost of it, that you know each month you're getting you know a, a testimonial light sent out to your guest database. So you know, if you put a few hundred dollars of value on those, now all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to get close to or exceeding that thousand dollar cost. And I hope you don't think I'm just trying to sell you on the idea. I'm truly just because you know the best data I have isn't so much guaranteed results as much as it is like alternative ways you could have spent that time and byproducts of the podcast that do have measurable value and just kind of helping you to sort of think about some of those. Does that make sense? Or, I mean, again, I hope you don't think I'm, I'm just being pushy trying to financially justify a podcast. No, you're not. You're walking through the, so many of those areas can be hard to quantify into into exact dollar amount and that's okay. So it's just walking through all the different areas that this effort can come back and help support. And I think you're doing a great job of that. Okay. Well, that's, that's what I, that's what I tried to do. So I know we, man, the time has flown by. What other questions might you have for me? So I am curious, how much equipment do I need to get to make this, to make it high quality? I mean, I mean, there's a section where, if I need to get people into my conference room, get good microphones on them, or if there's a way where it's the barrier to entry in this is substantially lower. I am curious about, about that because there's the hour of time, but there's also generally some upfront costs on equipment or additional details that I need to iron out. That is a great question. So let me give you the two extremes. I just read this and I think I have my stats right. Like, have you listened to like how I built this by guy with Guy Raz? Or, or one of the other like kind of highly produced episodes. So I'd read that like an NPR class podcast cost, the production cost is something like it's thousands of dollars a minute. Oh, wow. So a one hour podcast is, you know, at a thousand dollars a minute, that's $60,000. So like, that's the far extreme. And in our opinion, And so what we recommend our clients do is the exact same service that we use. So you and I are connected via an online recorded call platform. We're both uh, calling in from our computer and I keep tweaking technology all the time. I've tried dozens of microphones, dozens of headsets, and believe it or not, the headset that had the highest quality was a Seinhauser $20 wired USB headset. In fact, that's what I'm talking to you on right now. And we also find that whereas maybe the expectation pre-COVID was that podcasts were always done in a studio where the guest was sitting there with the host, think about all the podcasts you've listened to the last two years where it's obvious the guest was just calling in on a phone maybe Mm -hmm. a cell phone with mediocre reception. And so I think the kind of baseline is that it doesn't have to be NPR quality. And so 
the the headset, I mean, just as part of our setup program, we uh, we send out one of these Seinhauser headsets to our clients. And then from the guest perspective, they don't need to be in your office. They can either call in just on a phone or if they have a like a wired headset, they can call in on their computer. Does that seem like a positive reaction or does it feel like, or are you skeptical that's technologically sufficient enough? Hey, technology gets cheaper and cheaper. I mean, <laughs> you know, $20 headset, it's, it was probably a few hundred dollars 30, 40 years ago. So I'm with you. You sound great to me. Yeah. And the other thing, the other beauty of this podcast is that you yourself, you know, before you end up making, you know, have to make a final decision is that you're going to be able to see the whole process start to finish. So you're actually going to to see the standard email we send out to our guests that we would write for you to send to your guests. You'll see the email that we'll draft for you to send to your guest for them to send out to their database. You'll be able to actually hear the episode you know, on your favorite podcast player. So you'll be able to compare, you know, the sound quality to, to other, you know, things that you listen to. And my expectation is that you won't really notice any difference. I mean, in like, you know, the thundering going on, when you hear this, you'll hear the thunder in your background. And again, if we were trying to be NPR, I would have said, no, no, Ryan, let's like do this another day. But the reality is, Nobody really cares that there was a little thunder in the background. It it just seems even that much more authentic as mm-hmm. opposed to something that's... Anyway, so technology is part of our service. We provide the dial-in, the recorded call-in line, and we provide the headset. And, and then we do everything else. I mean, we actually send out the, the emails on your behalf to your database, if you like. But anyway, I'm getting... I'm digressing. So technology cost... Uh, little to nothing. We'll provide you the headset. We'll provide the the month, you know, the call in line. Excellent. That helps quite a bit. So it's really just get connected with however you normally do it and off you go. The rest of it's handled. Exactly. Yeah. So it's however long it takes you to schedule your interview, however long it takes to do the interview. We usually, you know, I usually shoot for 45 minutes. It oftentimes goes for an hour, but that's the beauty of having your own podcast. I don't have a radio producer, you know, talking to my ear saying, Hey, commercial break. We have to wrap it up. You know, if we end up going an hour and a half and it's okay with your schedule, then we go an hour and a half. And if the listener gets bored after an hour, then they'll stop. Yeah. So, and then it, and then when the interview's done five minutes later, you'll get an automated email where it takes about five to 10 minutes to record the intro and just put in the guest name. And so, for example, at the end of this call, I'll record an intro that said, I had a great conversation with Ryan Seifert from Tarek Technology. They have a great story. They, they launched, he launched a technology company in the midst of COVID, but they have a little different angle than just a normal IT company. They're really simplifying the lives of, of CEOs, their CEO clients through technology. And it's, they have a really interesting model. And if you're, if you think at all that technology could improve your strategic outlook for your company, you ought to talk to them. Additionally, we talked about that Ryan was interested in a podcast. We talked about different ways it could benefit him, different ways to justify it financially. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's up right now at you know podcasting stories. And then that intro that I record becomes the text for the email that goes out. Okay. So it's you know five minutes to schedule the interview you know, call it an hour with the pre-call, the call, the post-call, you know, if you do a 45 minute interview and then, you know, maybe 10 minutes to do the, the intro. So all in start to finish, you know, you're looking at probably an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. The other thing you'll discover is nobody's ever told me, no, people are flattered when you invite them to be on your podcast. And so that's the other cool thing. And then the other cool thing is when you tell these people stories, oftentimes they'll share them with like their family members and you'll have these, hear these great stories like, you know, 
my parents never really understood my technology company. And now that they listen to the podcast, they actually kind of get it now. Or if it's an older client, you know, my kids never really understood what I did. And, you know, now they understand, you know, what dad's been doing the last 30 years. Very cool. Yeah. Going back, going all the way back to that educational piece. That's great. Exactly. So what other questions might you have? I think you hit them. I mean, I, I understand how you have it set up. I understand where you see the value going back into the engagement, the client base, the relationship aspect, which is really interesting to me. So I think you have a great idea here. Well, good. Well, thank you for that feedback. With that, why don't we go ahead and wrap things up? If, if people want to reach out to you, how should they do so? Do you accept LinkedIn requests? Is there a phone number, email, website you want to direct them to? LinkedIn works. If you find me on there. Tarek's phone number, 281-309-4813. Give me a call. Email and, and LinkedIn is usually the easiest way. And I'll, I'll get some time with you. That's And what is your email address then? Oh, email address is rcyphert, R-S as in Sam, E-I, F as in Frank, E-R-T, at tericktechnology.com. That's T-E-R-I-C technology.com. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast. And I really appreciate your your open-mindedness and kind of your willingness to, to, to just be transparent for us to just kind of work through these ideas and these numbers. And I just, I really uh, appreciate it. And, and whether you end up doing a podcast or not, I appreciate having had the chance to uh, spend an hour on the phone with you. And thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great experience and it's been a very educational one. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And you have a great day. You too. Enjoy Colorado. Bye. All right. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.